Everybody is looking for something. But it all comes down to looking for the right thing. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. It's your move. Today, you must make your move. Let me take you back to a time and a time's time. It's 33 AD. Jesus has rocked the political world. He has turned the religious world upside down. People are gathering around him. They want to hear what he has to say. They want to try to understand, is this the one thing that I've been searching for my whole life? Is this what will fill me up inside where I am so empty? And they gathered around him, and he told a story that defined his very life. Luke 15. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, I am so bored being here with you and living on this farm. I got to go. I got to get out of here. Just give me my inheritance now, and I will go away. I can't do this anymore. And it broke the father's heart, but he gave his son what he asked for, and the son left. And the son started to search for those things that he thought he always wanted. He went to a faraway city. And it says that he, he wasted all of that wealth on all these things that were experiences that he thought he wanted, but were empty. They were empty, and he came to the end of himself. He came to the end of his money. He found out how fast his friends would leave when there wasn't any money around to play with. He was so hungry. He was so tired. He reached out to the only thing he knew, a farm, and he, he hired himself out to a farmer. The farmer said, well, you can feed these pigs. And he was so hungry. As he looked at what the pigs were eating, he thought, I am so hungry, I could eat that. And the Bible, and the Bible says, Jesus says, when he came to his senses, he hadn't found what he was looking for after all. When he came to his senses, he thought, I'll just go home. My, my father's hired men have so much of a better life than this. And I will apologize to my father. I will say, oh, dad, I sinned against heaven and I sinned against you. Just treat me like one of your hired men now. Just let me come back. And so he set off to go home. His father would get up every day. His father would scan the horizon to see if maybe, hoping beyond hope that his son would come home. And then one day he saw his head bobbing above the horizon. He saw him begin to appear and he ran out to meet him. And the son who had rehearsed this speech over and over and over again started out, Dad, I've sinned against heaven and against you. And his father said, no, bring new clothes. Give him a new gold ring. Put new shoes on his feet. Kill the fatted calf and let's celebrate because my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This story defines who Jesus is. Luke chapter 15 doesn't just have this one story about being lost and found. There's three stories. There's a story about the, the lost sheep. There's a story about the lost coin. And the entire chapter hangs on this verse, verse 10. 
In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. In other words, heaven breaks into a celebration when one person comes home. Heaven breaks into a celebratory moment when one person realizes that everything that they were looking for in life is never going to be enough. Only one thing is enough. It's your move. So much has been written about being lost and found. The theme of feeling lost and searching is so prevalent in life that poems and movies and songs talk about it all the time. In 1987, U2 put out an album called The Joshua Tree. And on that album, there was a song that has, has stayed on our hearts for decades and decades afterwards. It's title, you know, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I have climbed highest mountains. I have run through the fields only to be with you. I have scaled these city walls only to be with you, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I believe in the kingdom come then all the colors will bleed into one. You broke the bonds and you loosed the chains. Carry the cross of my shame. You know I believe it, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. The great writer, satirist, and all-around funny guy, Art Buckwald, said it this way as he came to the end of his life. I have no idea where I'm going, but here's the real question. What am I doing here in the first place? It's a great question. What am I doing here? What is this all about? What am I doing in life? What am I supposed to do with life? Does life ever somehow pay off to me? There's a story in Luke chapter 24 where two of the followers of Jesus were kind of asking these questions as they went home. They were going home to a little village called Emmaus. It's seven miles outside of Jerusalem. And they had seen Jesus go down on Friday, and they thought, well, that's it. We searched and we searched, and we thought we found what we were looking for, but they took his life apart. They brought him down, just like the political system always brings these people down. And it's over, and we might as well go home now. And so it's Sunday. And they're on their way home. When a man comes and, and starts walking with them, seems, seems to appear out of nowhere. He just starts walking with them. And he says, so what's going on? And they said, don't you know what happened in Jerusalem? Are you so out of touch that you don't know what went down there over the last few days? And it's Jesus. And he starts to say to them, don't you understand what happened? And he goes through what, what would be a graduate school class in understanding who God is. He says, don't you remember that this was written about the one who was to come? Don't you remember about this? Don't you remember this and this? And he goes through the, the, the scriptures and he, he points it out point by point and verse by verse. This had to happen and this had to happen and this had to happen. 
And they are amazed at his teaching. And they get to their house, and Jesus acts like he's going to go on. And they say, no, no, stay with us, for it was the custom in those days to do kindness unto strangers. So they invite him in to stay the night, and they invite him for dinner. And he sits down at the table, and he breaks bread, and they recognize who he is. And he disappears. And they are so overwhelmed that they get up, and they quickly go the seven miles all the way back to Jerusalem. Luke 24, verse 33. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. While they were still talking about this, they're talking about it, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they, and while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, they were so overwhelmed by seeing him, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? Which is a great verse to put in the Bible. Do you have anything here to eat? Some of us quote the Bible every day. We don't even realize that we're quoting the Bible. I quote the Bible all the time. Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. He said, this is what you've always been looking for. You have now witnessed what you have been looking for your entire lives, that place in your heart that was empty, that place where you felt lost. I am the one who fills that place. You broke the bonds and you loosed the chains, carried the cross of my shame. You know I believe it, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I have no idea where I'm going, but here's the real question. What am I doing here in the first place? Let me tell you the story of I still haven't found what I'm looking for because it all comes down to looking for the right thing. Chapter 1. We can never fully have what we long for in life. It's not available here. We can never fully have what we long for in life. We long for so many things. It's not available here. A few weeks ago, I was with a good friend in Fort Lauderdale. We went out to lunch. We went to this great little Cuban restaurant. Had a great lunch. We hadn't seen each other in a long time, and so we had a lot of catching up to do. And then on the way back, we drove by this piano. And we stopped, and I said, I've always wanted a piano. Here it is. It's free. It's just here by the side of the road in somebody's front yard. And then I got up close to the piano, and, and I took these pictures, and I thought, no, I don't really, I don't really want this piano. I don't, I don't really want this piano. You know, this piano has, has given up the ghost. This piano, it's over for this piano. But 
Rewind the tape. Years and years before, this piano sat in a showroom. Years and years before, this piano cost a great price. Years and years before, somebody practiced on this piano. Maybe this piano was at a recital, but somebody cared for it, and somebody watched over it, and it was beautiful, and it was wonderful. But the piano has a problem that we have. It couldn't last. It couldn't last. All the hopes and dreams that were put on that piano came for naught. We can never fully have what we long for in life. It's not available here. My sister Patrice has a new kitchen, and I was talking to her about this. She has dreamed about this her whole life. So the other day we're talking on the phone. She's going, yes, the new kitchen, it's, it's not done yet. I'm so frustrated, and they can't seem to get it done, and I don't know when I'm ever going to really have it. And, and the countertop came in, and it was two feet too short, and then they redid it, and it came in, and it wasn't the right color, and I'm just so frustrated with this whole thing. You know, see, she used to cook in this little tiny kitchen and, and put out um, incredible meals. And now she's been hoping and hoping and dreaming, dreaming for this, but it's not working out. So at first, I am, I am, I am being empathetic with her, and I'm going along with the, her pain and her suffering. And then I start to think something. Something starts to, to come up in my mind. Hey, if you don't invite us for Thanksgiving this year, we're done. We are absolutely finished. We're not going to do this two years in a row. So you better get that kitchen done and get it quick. And I don't really care what color the counter is. Just get it in there and get it done. But you see, she's longed for this kitchen her whole life. It's not available here. Chapter 2. We can never fully control what we'd like to fully control. It's not possible here. We can't control what we'd like to control. It's not possible. I like control. I like to be in control. I like to have control. I like to control people. I like to control you. <laughs> That's a problem I have. I know I need counseling, but the first step is to admit it. I admit it. <laughs> so now, the other day, I'm driving down Atlantic Avenue, and, and they're doing a lot of construction, and there are all these barricades and everything up, and there's two lanes going into one lane, and I'm driving down, and I'm in the wrong lane because the barricades are straight ahead. They're coming up fast. There's about 100 yards out, and, and I, want, I signal I want to get over, and there's a car that's kind of squeezing me and squeezing me and won't let me over, and I'm signaling, and this car's squeezing me, and the barrels are getting closer and closer. I'm about to plow into all these barrels, and I wish I could just get out of this car. I wish I have sort of a remote control system that I can control this other car that's over here, and it's getting closer and closer. Finally, I slam on the brakes. This car comes flying by me, and I look over, and it's my wife. She looks so innocent. She looks so innocent. When I want control like that, there's something that rises up within me. Did you see this new movie trailer that's out? It's for the movie Clash of the Titans. And this guy gets to a point in the, in the trailer, and he goes, release the Kraken. I need a Kraken. God, if he would just answer my prayer for a Kraken, I could really take care of business. You know, either do your job, you do your job, or I'll get the Kraken. 
uh, as parents, you clean your room, you clean it now. You don't want to clean it now? Kraken! <laughs> Life would be a lot easier with some Krakens around. And that's, that's, that's part of the problem. We want to control so badly. We're willing to do anything to control, but it's not possible here. In Time Magazine on March 22nd, they interviewed Archbishop Desmond Tutu of South Africa, and they asked him this question. Have you ever had doubts about your faith? This is what he said. Doubts? No. Anger with God? Yes. Plenty of that. I've remonstrated with God quite frequently and said, what the heck are you up to? Why are you letting these oppressors get away with this injustice? That's Desmond Tutu going, I need a Kraken. If I just had a Kraken down here, God, I could serve you a lot better. He's caught in the tension of these two diametrically opposed forces, the inner world of our lives that wants to control everything and what God is trying to do. He says, but doubting that God is good, that God is love, no. He says, ultimately, that's all I, I can fall back on. I can't control life, but I can fall back on God's grace, on God's goodness, on God's love. We can never fully control what we'd like to fully control. It's not possible here. We can never fully have what we long for in life. It's not available here. Chapter three, we can never fully experience what we desire to experience, it's not available here. First Peter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is Peter. Peter's going, believe this. There's nothing more real than this in the entire world. I saw this. I'm telling you, I was there. I was confused. My heart was broken. But I saw him. He is alive. This is real. This is the only experience that will ever take you somewhere in life. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith may be proved genuine. Life can be hard, but your faith will grow through those times. Therefore, he says, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. And the key word there is fully. Put everything that you have on him. Everything inside of you that you can muster, put it on him. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Your faith and hope are in him. We can never fully have what we long for in life. It's not available here, my friends. We can never fully control what we'd like to fully control. It's not possible here. We can never fully experience what we desire to experience. It's not available here. You see, it all comes down 
to looking for the right thing. And when you look for the right thing, and when you find it, everything else makes sense. Ask, seek, knock. It's your move. Years and years ago, I taught a class, a college class, Introduction to the New Testament. And I was trying to be a, a good college professor, and I tried to cover everything I could from the Gospels through the book of Revelation and everything in between, Paul's letters. And, and I wanted to, to, to know at the end of the class, did I get anything through to these students? And so I said, what do you remember that I've, ta that I've taught you this semester? And there were a few blank stares and, you know, I didn't know if I was getting anything. And then this one student said, I remember the day you drew that diagram on the board. And I remembered it too. I remembered it because I didn't want to draw the diagram. I thought, I'm a college professor. I want to teach you a lot of detailed information, things that you'll never know unless I teach them to you because I'm such a great professor. This is just so simple. But something compelled me to draw this diagram on the board. And this is all they remembered. And this is probably all they remember to this very day. I said, okay, here's the problem. Here's the problem. The problem is there's you and there's God and there's a gap in between. That's a problem because you can't get over to the God side no matter how hard you try. You don't have it. You don't have the strength. You can't do enough to get over there. So you are stuck, separated from God. I said, here's the solution. This is Christianity. God filled the gap with the cross. Jesus dying for you fills the gap. You're not separated from God anymore. But you have to decide something about that. It's your move, whether or not you believe in Jesus as your savior, as the one who gave his life for you. You have to put fully, your hope fully on that, as Peter said. And when you do that, you have real faith and real life. You see, you then, in, by trusting in Christ, you will live forever in paradise, just like the thief on the cross trusted and lived forever in paradise because you believed in the Son who gave himself for you. It's the only way to get there. Can't get there any other way. And the wonder of that whole experience is that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. God himself lives inside of you. There is communion with you and God. And so here's, here's the right thing to be looking for because it matters what you're looking for. The right thing to be looking for is, is there a gap in your heart? See, we spend all this time looking for something and we say, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. But it's all right here. Is there a gap in your heart? The right thing is to look at your heart and see, is there a gap between you and God? Because if in your heart right now there's only what you thought you wanted or there's only what you 
what you can control, or there's only a set of experiences that's like the bottom of a well that just goes deeper and deeper and deeper, and there's nothing there after all, then you've lost everything in the gap. But if you can look into your heart and see there's this gap, and you can invite Jesus to fill the gap right now, today, it's your move. Then you will find what you've always been looking for. And that, my friends, is Christianity. And that, my friends, is Easter. Ask, seek, knock. It's your move. Dear Heavenly Father, so often we just keep searching and searching and searching. And all the while, God, you keep looking at the horizon, hoping to see our little heads come bobbing up, coming home to you. So, Heavenly Father, on this Easter Sunday morning, I pray for everyone here right now. If there are any gaps in any hearts, I pray that they will come home. I ask this in Jesus' name. There was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord. But you don't really care for music, do you? It goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall and the major lift, the baffled king composing her.
I did my best, it wasn't much I couldn't feel, so I tried to touch I told the truth, I didn't come to fool ya And even though 